You know what that means. 12.02. That's a five-hour five midnight ride coming your way all the way to 5 o'clock in the morning in the warm-up show. Let's go. 877-337-6666. That's right. Me and you. Connor on the other side. Fuegeman on the other side. And we got you for five hours right here on the fan. Five hours of Jet Talk? Possibly. Because the Jets, they never stop giving it to you, do they? It's just never-ending. Or maybe there is an end. And I'll tell you why. I'm not that all that down about everything that's gone on with McCall Hardman. There's something there that's a little positive. But let's start with the nonsense. And this is why when this stuff comes out, right, you want to know what I think. I hope you do. When this stuff comes out about the Jets, this is why the Jets need to win. Plain and simple. When this story comes out, the first thing I think of is I, you know, I wake up, as you guys know, my schedule, I wake up, I see BT screaming about they're the biggest joke in the NFL, maybe in all of sports. They're the Jets. They have the longest playoff drought. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 69, this, that, and the other. The coach is a joke. You know, the, 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 the story that came out in the athletic earlier in the month. Uh, uh, the, you know, the coach is on a tirade asking for coaches, cell phones, everything, right? Everything about this disaster of a franchise and what it's been from Woody Johnson all the way down from 1969 to present day, they need to freaking win because they don't get the benefit of the doubt on any of this. When these stories come out, McCall Hardman is a guy who goes on a podcast who wasn't good enough to play for the Jets and was overtaken by Gibson as the a role on this team as a free agent who came here, spent money, predicted the Super Bowl with the mentalist and all that on the on hard knocks. We all know the story, right? So he, he leaves. This is a guy on a podcast who fully admits, whether it's because of finger injury or not, he refused to field punts for the New York Jets. This is a guy who couldn't cut it on the New York Jets, who openly probably admits to some sort of tampering Talking to, you know, teammates come get, former teammates with the Chiefs come get him. And ultimately, maybe with some exception of, of Jet fans, and, and, you know, now he's being accused by, you know, different, the punter and Sauce Gardner and different people of, of leaking uh, offensive game plans against the Eagles and Chiefs, which oddly enough are the, the signature win of the season, if you can call it that, on the Jets season against the Eagles, and one of the best games of, of Wilson's and Zach Wilson's career against the Chiefs. But he caught the last, he caught a game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, and he's been part of the Chiefs, and the Jets are the Jets. So what happens they're the joke of football. They're the worst franchise in the sport. Oh, the coaching staff, the this and that. And of course, there's some level of truth. Did they communicate with McCole Hardman as good as they could have? Probably not. Is there an issue going on with this coaching staff and the way the Jets are run? Clearly, they've been a losing franchise. But it just feels like not only do they need to win 
just for the idea of winning for a fan base that's dedicated to this team for what you know the idea that it's been 13 years without making the playoffs the longest in professional sports like they need to win just to win but they also need to win and coach Sala talked about this in hard knocks and it's just it's it's abundantly clear they need to win to end this like we need to be able to look at something on a case-by-case basis or you know when something pops up where it's not just well what do you expect it's the Jets because that's the feeling you got Douglas I'm watching it now on on uh, SMY Douglas goes and answers questions about it the, the comments resonate with him no one cares oh the offensive line needs to be fixed Vera Tucker when he gets back hopefully we'll be able to find out where he where he suits best for us and keep him there instead of rotating him all that news all all of it just you look at him and you go oh this guy's an idiot you know the Jets need to change the direction of the not only their franchise when it comes to winning but their franchise when any of this pops up and this is a guy who was spurned by them and went to win the super bowl and is now spiking the football this is an easy win for mccall hardman sure now i even saw just a half hour ago sauces uh sauce gardner is retweeting something of uh, a joke that mccall hardman made in 2013 about you know snitches and how if, his, if he needed to tell on someone to save his life, he would or something like that. So that indicates that he was someone who would leak a game plan offensively to another team. Obviously, the coaching staff, there is no coaching. There is no, like, this is an easy win for McCall Hardman. He's asked a direct question. I get it. He goes on a podcast. I get it. This wasn't just stream of consciousness to kill the Jets. He's asked direct questions on why it didn't work with the Jets. But as he's a Super Bowl champion, catching the game-winning touchdown this is an easy win against the new york jets who are the doormat of not only the nfl but of professional sports so they need to change this and it's and again mccall hardman might have some valid points the jets might have some reasons to be upset the punter is talking about and listen i totally agree uh, the, the idea that this is a spurn guy who was probably upset about how it was handled in, in New York, a little embarrassed that he was brought there as a big free agent and then was overtaken uh, by, you know, in his mind, lesser players. And so it's easy to blame the organization. And again, why? He's catching game-winning touchdowns in the Super Bowl, and the Jets are the Jets. So they need to change what is going on with this franchise. It needs more than just wins and losses. They need to get, and, and Coach Sala referenced this in the Hard Knocks, the, the same old Jets needs to change. Rex tried to change it. Rex did it with a, you know, a boisterous very in-your-face attitude, and it worked for two years, but ultimately it didn't do enough to turn the worm of what this franchise is, which is someone when a player makes an assertion, when there's an article that comes out about a coach, whenever the situation, when you know the owner puts his foot in his mouth or tweets out pictures of a uniform or whatever, all of it goes in one direction. The Jets are clowns. That's the direction it goes, and there's only one way to change it, and it's winning football. And here's my point, because McCall Hardman also said something else that no one's going to focus on because it's the Jets. No one's going to pay attention to because it's the disaster of this franchise. But McCall Hardman, who has played and won Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes, openly told you that the quarterback the Jets have in Aaron Rodgers is the offense. 
he told you his ability to understand defenses and run the team is unmatched in the NFL. And this is a guy who's played with Patrick Mahomes. So you know what? I'm positive because what we've seen and what we've heard of what happened last year, yeah, Rodgers went down and the season was cooked. But if Rodgers is back and healthy, this offense is completely different. He runs the show. At the end of the year, we heard Garrett Wilson tell you. Now we're hearing McCole Hardman tell you. Everybody knows. Aaron Rodgers, as long as he can stay healthy, is a special quarterback that runs this football team. And it's up to the Jets and Joe Douglas, who spoke today, to make sure he gives him an offensive line he can function under, add a couple of weapons, and go about winning football. We also heard Aaron Rodgers on, you know, I guess he's at spring training because he's in the greatest shape of his life. He put on weight. He's added some muscle. He's had a lot of time to work out. But McCall Hardman, while he's bashing the Jets, and while he's telling you what a joke the coaching staff is, he also told you what I've been telling you, what everybody knew, is that when you make the decision to go get Aaron Rodgers, he becomes the most important person on your team, the most important person on the franchise, and he was brought here along with a coach that wasn't going to coach him, but was going to work with him who was going to design this offense with him and who was going to let Aaron Rodgers run things. And when you make a decision to go get Aaron Rodgers, that's the only way it works. There's different ways to build a football team. There's different ways to go about things. But Aaron Rodgers being the guy was the way the Jets went. Right, wrong, and we'll find out. Certainly wrong year one. We'll find out if it ends up being a complete disaster and if he can't stay healthy and if the weight of what the Jets are and the dysfunction of what the Jets are and the losing culture that the Jets have developed for the last 13 years in the most obvious of terms, but over the last 30 years of general generalization terms. If that becomes too much for any of this to work, then it's obviously a disaster. But if not, you are hearing from anyone, even team, even players who are disgruntled with the team, even players who are bad-mouthing them out the door, even players who are spiking that final Super Bowl touchdown catch right in the Jets' face and talking about how clearly it worked, and I know about winning, and he knows about winning. He knows about winning. He knows about winning because he's been carried by Patrick Mahomes. He knows about winning because he's been carried by Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if he knows about winning. I don't know how important he is to winning over there. Obviously, he scores the game-winning touchdown, and because of their lack of weapons, he became somewhat of a significant piece. And yeah, I mean, listen, they played their best football down the stretch of the season and into, into the playoffs, obviously, and he catches the game-winning touchdown. He's a part of the offense. But I'm not sure he knows about winning, but I, what I do know he knows about is being in a huddle with an elite quarterback. And whether we want to, you know, it's, maybe it's an obvious statement. Maybe it's something you don't care about because you think, you know, Aaron Rodgers can't stay healthy or he's too old or the team around him isn't good enough or the Jets are the Jets. What he does know, McCall Hardman, is quarterback play and special quarterback play, and even as he's kicking them while they're down, and even while he's 
you know, thrown it in their face that he's won and they blew it. And they, you know, they didn't ask him if he had a hurt finger. They asked him to just catch punts and he said no. I mean, this is a player who literally said, I won't do that for you. I won't be coached by you. I've checked out where he's, he's being accused of, of, giving out offensive game plans, and apparently the Jets are backing it up that they do have legitimate concerns of that, not just a couple of random players putting it out there on on social media, that the Jets actually do have some concerns. He's openly talking about the idea. He was communicating with teammates to come get him while he's with the Jets, and still it's a victory for him because he's going against the Jets. All of those things from McCall Hardman. All of those things working against him, he still gets the victory because it's easy pickings against the Jets. And there's only one way to change it, and it's to win. And he told you himself, and Garrett Wilson has told you, and the head coach has told you, and the GM has told you, and every player in the uniform who's been asked on the subject has told you, Aaron Rodgers changes this team. So you know what? There's only one thing left to do. Get Aaron Rodgers healthy, let him go out there and be the offense and win and change this nonsense so now every single time a former player or uh, uh, you know someone inside the front office or someone who works at the athletic or an offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills or whoever wants to take pot shots at the Jets, it's not an easy win. Because right now, I, and it's, it's easy for us, it's easy for me. It's either easy for people who work here with a microphone to come on, turn on this mic, and just go after the Jets and call them clowns and call them a disaster and call them a joke and call them this and that. And you know what? Right now they are. And it's easy for McCole Hardman. It's easy for anybody else to take shots at the Jets, especially when he won a Super Bowl and the Jets floundered and their offense was terrible under Zach Wilson. But call me crazy, listening to him again talk about, and this is a guy who's played with Patrick Mahomes, tell you his ability to read the defense is something I never heard. He told me that he's this guy's lined up to blitz. Everyone thinks he's blitzing. Rogers said, no, he's not blitzing. Run the slant or whatever. Like He knew exactly what was happening. This is how the team is going to be run. It's Aaron Rodgers' team. Without him last year, there is no team. And we can talk about it. Listen, go get Brissett. Go get Gardner Minshew. Go get a legitimate backup. Go get someone who can run this team. You got to fix the offensive line. You got to do this. You got to do that. All of it predicates on Aaron Rodgers being healthy. And I understand that is a fine line to base your season on. A 40-year-old quarterback coming off an Achilles heel injury. But that's what the Jets season is, and they desperately need it to work. Because not only do they need to break this Baker's dozen of consecutive years without the postseason, they need to change the fact that anybody who gets put in on a podcast or anybody who's asked a, a question by a reporter or anybody who has a microphone in front of his face can take shots at the Jets and get an easy win because they are the lows of the low. Because they are the joke of professional sports. Because they are a franchise that symbolizes dysfunction and losing. And that needs to change. And the only way it's going forward and the only way it's changing is if Aaron Rodgers in this offense can lead it there. And McCole Hardman, while he's killing the Jets, told you he is the offense. This team will be dramatically different. McCole Hardman also told you the defense is legit. The coaching on the defense is legit. I believe in this defense. 
I think you saw it at times last year, sure. Eventually, the weight of carrying the team became too much at certain times. The, I think they had enough at, at different times, certainly the, the Browns game and different – like they weren't perfect this year. They're not the 85 Bears as they proclaim to be, but they are one of the best defenses in the league. And if this Jet team, who now has more money because of the salary cap, can figure out a way to get weapons – to go with Rodgers, fix this offensive line, starting with really Vera Tucker, and I'm not sure what else. But if they can go about building this team, they desperately need to change the perception because if I'm a Jets fan, I'm tired of losing. I'm also tired of getting my teeth kicked in by anybody who feels like getting a cheap victory. And that's what it feels like. It feels like, oh, you've been, oh, it didn't work out for you and the Jets. Go on a podcast and kill them. Who could knock you? You could admit to not wanting to go on the field and take punts. You could admit to talking to teammates and tampering. You could admit to anything. Doesn't matter. You won a Super Bowl, and they're the Jets. Buffalo Bills offensive lineman can call the can call the, the 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 guys fake football players. Why? Because they've won how many consecutive divisions? And the Jets are the Jets. So McCall Hardman is the topic of the day. McCall Hardman is the focal point of the moment. But what it points out to me and what it signifies to me is the Jets need to change who they are so the McColl, whoever the McCall Hardman is next week doesn't get a cheap win. And whoever wants to take on the Jets next, whether it be Woody Johnson, Joe, uh, you know, Douglas, uh, Robert Sala, whoever's in the crosshairs of whoever wants to say whatever they want to say, whether it be from the likes of a WFAN overnight host or whether it be a Super Bowl winning wide receiver, all of us right now have an easy victory should we choose it. And that needs to change. And it's still very possible. And Aaron Rodgers is the difference maker. And if he can stay healthy, he won't tolerate this crap. And they will win. Oh, yes. They will win. 877-337-6666. McMonigle here with you for five straight hours till five o'clock in the morning when the warm-up show comes your way. We got a lot to get to over these five hours. We start with the Jets, though, who desperately need to change the feeling around this team and stop making it so easy for anyone with a gripe to get an easy victory. We got the, the Rangers with another victory and Igor with seven in a row. Has Igor found the light? We got the the Knicks losing a protest and still more concerns for Brunson injury. And, of course, my two favorite topics, what I will be saying every day from now until something happens, Snell's not a Yankee and Montgomery should be a Met. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Verde will take the snap, go to one knee. This game is over. The Jets lock up their first playoff appearance since 1991 on a 21-16 victory over the Miami Dolphins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. I'm just, I listen, I, I'm going to be the positive one here because I, I've been saying it forever. I said it since they got him. 
Aaron Rodgers is the Jets. When you make a move like that, he's the Jets. They they had a disastrous season last year because he wasn't there. And they might have a disastrous year this year if he's not there. In fact, they will. They can go get Jacoby Brissett. They can go get a legitimate backup. It'll help better than Zach Wilson, who apparently has been allowed to go seek a trade. Good luck, young man. I wish him the best. I don't know. I'm not sure what teams would be willing to give for him. I guess there was reports earlier in the week that the Rams might be interested. I don't know where they go from there with 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 Zach Wilson, but he was obviously a disaster to allow him to be the backup quarterback. But what you're learning is he was the offense. And listen, it's a knock on the Jets. It's a knock on this coaching staff. It's uh, obviously even the spe- from special teams to clearly hack it. Um, that had no real game plan once Aaron Rodgers went down. I think it's obvious. I didn't. Th- I don't think we need McCole Hardman to tell us this. Aaron Rodgers is the franchise right now, and I really like. And the thing is, is you might take a look at that and say, "Oh my God, what a disaster that is!" And and maybe that's fair. But I don't know how else you do it once you go get someone like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you have to allow him to be. Like you take that chance, and you're trying to stop a decade of losing by bringing in the greatest quarterback your franchise has ever seen, who is the offense himself, who changed the feeling of the team. And then the letdown that happened when he goes down four plays in is almost impossible to recover from. No matter who the backup is, no matter who the offensive coordinator is, it's almost impossible. They could have done a better job with it, no doubt, but they just need to stay, like, again... It just needs to be a fundamental change in who they are. And the only way to do it is to win. And so this is a huge year. And we could forget all the other nonsense. Like, they've already made the decision, right? And I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I'm still fine with it. I don't care how much more news comes out. I'm done with it. I'm fine with it. They decide to stick with Douglas. They're deciding to stick with Salah. Obviously, they're going to stick with Hackett as long as Rodgers is here. I, I, I feel that's just that's as good a plan as any considering Woody Johnson's you want Woody Johnson hiring another GM, another head coach drafting another quarterback here. I mean, at 10, I don't know how you do it, but they're going to stick with this plan. So I'm done with the noise. I'm done with McCall Hardman's. I'm done with, uh, athletic articles. I'm done with what went on here previously. It's about building this team this year and a healthy Aaron Rodgers leading the jets. And call me crazy, I'm still very positive about that, even as McCole Hardman is just killing the team. From coordinator, from coordinator to coordinator, from coach to coach, you know, reaching out to former teammates saying, come get me, which, listen, I, you know, the, the tampering part of this is something the Jets are going to look into. And, I mean, if he's leaking offensive game plans, I, I, can't, even ima- I can't even fathom that. And maybe that'll uh, maybe that will turn the worm from the initial feeling of oh wow well, here come the the lousy Jets again, what a joke they are. Maybe you know he'll start to get a little flack. I'm sure he will. I mean, and and the Jets are on full blown again. Uh, Sauce Gardner tweeting out. Let me see if I can find the tweet. Tweeting out old tweets from McCall Hardman. So he retweeted this. This is from McCall Hardman. Uh, in 2013, people say don't snitch? Question mark. I don't see it like that. If your life is on the line, I'm telling on everybody. So I mean, now we're—I <laughs> mean, the Jets are in f- a full court 
press to be in the, the public relations department and try and soften the blow. The punter comes out and says, hey, listen, you got to take it with a grain of salt. He's a disgruntled former teammate. It's a hard thing to swallow when you get beat by Gibson for your starting spot. That's a tough thing to swallow. Well, right now he's he's got another Super Bowl ring on his hand. So it's it's not that hard to swallow. He got moved and became a focal point and scored the game-winning touchdown. But at the same time, yeah. When asked the question, it's an easy spike. Oh, they didn't tell me I was going to return. I mean, again, this is, I understand you want to communicate with your players. I get it. You're a professional football player. Like, I heard that podcast, and I watched that clip. And, like, call me crazy. And I understand you don't want to put yourself in a bad spot. And he had losses. They took him out from kick, uh, kick returns. They were not using him much by that point of the season. It's a little early to be mentally checked out, I would say, even if after losing Rodgers. But, all right, you want to make sure you communicate with your with your players as a coach or whatever. But I don't care when it is. I don't care what the situation is. If you're healthy, you're in uniform, you're on the roster, you're playing in that game, like, what if if he had a if he had a finger where he couldn't catch punts? Then how is he going to catch passes? What is he doing in the game? What did he expect to do? So like the idea that I don't care when it is last minute, last second, halfway through the game, if your coach turns to you and says, "I need you to return kicks," you go return kicks. And if you fumble, say, "I told you." I mean, I, you should ask me. I have a I, or tell the coach, "Listen, you show me you want me back there. I got a bad finger." Yeah, listen, we got we're we're in a tight spot. I need you back there. Okay. So I mean, he's he's in this podcast. He's openly talking about refusing to do his job, reaching out to teammates before he's been traded, begging to get him out of here, being mentally checked out, and yet you know the story is dysfunction Jets, and rightfully so. But like, it's that's what needs to change. And that's what Aaron Rodgers was brought here to change. And instead, him going down four snaps in did nothing to change it. In fact, it reinforced it. Him doing Pat McAfee, the cloud around the organization, all of it just reinforced the disaster that are the Jets. To go along with another losing season, the most consecutive you know, current uh, run in professional sports. Like, all of that needs to change so that we don't have to do this every time someone decides to open their mouth about the Jets. Because if this was said about other organizations, like, if a disgruntled player came out who was traded and said, yeah, you know, I didn't, the coaching staff, to this, to that, it's it's not the big story that it's become for the New York Jets. But here we are doing the same thing, having the same discussion, killing the same organization and that's why Aaron, you know Aaron Rodgers needs to be healthy and lead this team and again it's another player like I'm going to take the positives out of it he told you how Aaron Rodgers it's you know it's he runs the team he's the offense onto himself and the difference between what we get with anybody else and particularly Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers the difference between that is night and day so if your concern is, well, how the hell? I mean, this team was awful. You expect Aaron Rodgers to step right in and take this team over and go win with this team? I mean, you expect it to just work like that? Yes, I expect it to work just like that. Just like that. 
I expect Aaron Rodgers under center to change every single aspect of that entire offense and arguably team. Yes, I do. I expect them to have much more confidence in themselves. I expect them, them to uh, for the coach to coach better. I expect the the players to play better. I expect Rodgers to put the ball where it needs to. I expect this offense to be dynamic, especially if they can go out and get another player in the draft necessarily. And you heard uh, uh, Joe Douglas talk about it. He called it a jet-friendly draft because it's heavy in wide receivers, which they need. You know, there's ways to attack this draft and attack this offseason and dramatically improve this team. And especially since you got a season of of glaring a, a good straight look at the weaknesses of this roster. Right? Hopefully Vera Tucker comes back to just be the, the building block of the offensive line. They're gonna have to it sounds like they're not gonna tag Huff. They're going to have to figure out a way to sign him to a contract. That's how good he is. He needs to be back. But I feel like this defense is is damn good. Might not be the best in the league. It certainly isn't you know what they proclaim to be historical. But they're good enough to go win. And with Aaron Rodgers, that's what they'll do. I feel pretty confident about it. I think the Jets will be a winning team. I think they'll overcome this coaching staff. I think they'll overcome all this stuff. I do. I think Aaron Rodgers means that much to them. And it's just a matter of him staying healthy. So hopefully he's, you know, now that the season's over, he's not doing McAfee every week, they can go just about the process of building this team through the draft here. And, you know, Joe Douglas has had his, has had his you know, good drafts, his bad drafts, but ultimately I feel pretty confident about him heading into a draft. I mean, listen, there's, all, there's, there's different kinds of issues, and he dropped the ball in many ways. And as much as I'll tell you how much I love Aaron Rodgers and how he can be the winning force of this team, you know, did they give him too much autonomy? Was he allowed, you know, too much? If he was a a main voice in the room of who his backup was, I think that was a mistake. Clearly, one they, they I just can't imagine them making again. Um, but yeah, that was a mistake. Some, you know, there's definitely mistakes. He's not perfect. But I, I would think most Jet fans heading into the season, you tell me, 877-337-6666, I would think most Jet fans heading into this this draft and this offseason, as much as you might be disappointed in the team and, and think that maybe it was time to clean house, do you really feel that, you know, ups, are you really that unconfident? Are you that upset at the idea of Douglas leading this team through the draft and the offseason? I don't. I feel fairly, I, I, I feel like he's pretty, he's fairly competent. Uh, he's done it before. He's had excellent drafts. Yeah, he's had some bad picks. Everyone does, but I, I, I don't feel any. I don't feel like, oh my god, how do you allow this guy to have another draft? I mean, have they lost enough? Where and has he made decisions enough? Where you had an argument at the end of the season, the clean house? Of course, they didn't go that way. But I think it's just time to end it. I'm just, I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing these stories, and then we go right back into how the, the franchise is a disaster, and this one's going after him, and that one's going after him. Bill's offensive line, they go on TV with no shirt on and just start you know, ragging on the Jets' defense. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter who wants to say something about the Jets. It's an easy win. It's an easy win. How, how do you defend yourself? How do you defend yourself as this losing franchise? You go on social media and bring up tweets from 2013 against McCall Hartman. That's that's the best they got. That's the best they got. That's the best they got. 
try and go after him on social media, turn him into someone who was selling, you know, state secrets, which is, again, hard to believe. And also ironic that it's during the two games that are mentioned, the Eagles and then obviously Kansas City, who he had the connection with, clearly, as he wanted to get back to Kansas City desperately. Like, the signature win of the year, the best win of the season, was beating the undefeated at the time, Philadelphia Eagles, where the defense won the game and just, you know, Hurts had a terrible game, including an interception at the end of the game, you can't imagine. And then against Kansas City, which I would say Kansas City and Houston later in the season are Zach Wilson's two best games of his career, arguably. So and, and definitely the two best games of the season. So you you're talking and they took you know, they gave Kansas City all they were worth. So maybe you should have sold secrets more often. Because those I mean those two games in particular are just it's funny to me. But I have faith in Aaron Rodgers. I do. Call me crazy. I have blind faith. I think the Jets are going to be a damn good football team next year. I think they're going to rise above all this nonsense. And if they don't, I don't know where they go moving forward. 877-337-6666. We'll take your jet calls as we get you through the show. But we, I do have to get to it again because it just drives me nuts. Another, I wake up every day, every day, to another story about how Snell and the Yankees make sense. Every single day. And it's just, it never, ever does. It never, ever does. We'll get to Snell next. We'll continue to take your calls on football. Daniel Jones and the Giants. We talked a lot about that yesterday. Obviously, the Jets, as we hear, are at the uh, Combine getting ready for the draft. You're hearing the the quarterback names, obviously. A lot of, I told you about J.J. McCarthy, not that I was breaking news to you or whatever, but like I've seen a handful of... <laughs> I've seen a handful of mock drafts now that have him in the top 10, top 15. This, is a, this was an afterthought quarterback. It's amazing what happens at the Combine. It's amazing what happens. And now, obviously, another quarterback. I, I, I believe now Drake May isn't going to throw at the, at the Combine. So these other quarterbacks are going to have an opportunity to uh, you know raise their uh, game and raise their standings inside this draft. And the Giants, I don't care what, I don't care what Joe Shane says. The Giants are in the market for a quarterback. They better be. Otherwise, it's malpractice. You can't trust Daniel Jones anymore. I'm tired of it. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Knicks makes the catch for the touchdown. He went up with the big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary on the final play of the half. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. That's right, the pipes. You know, the singing thing has become like an, I get a lot of people getting a lot of social media stuff about either the boomer's opinion of my singing or their opinion of my singing or my own opinion of my singing. Like, I know, I, by, by no means do I think I'm a world-class singer. I just have a little fun with it. And it's no fun to be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm okay. I got to be like, yeah, I'm a freaking damn good singer. What are you people, nuts? I'm an excellent singer. You hear me sing the opens. You hear it. You know it. 
put on the spot to sing Grease in Midday, which, by the way, I'll be filling in um, for BT on Friday. It'll be me and Sal in the middays on Friday. Looking forward to getting a chance to work with Sal. Maybe he'll ask me to sing something. And I got to start singing things that I'm comfortable with. I got to stop this nonsense of just like being put on the spot with weird songs, whether it's Craig making me sing Fallout Boy or Craig making me sing uh, Black Crows or being put on the, the sing Sandy from Greece, which I guess totally isn't isn't totally un, unfair because I do make the joke about being a good Danny Zuko. So I guess that wasn't quite, you know, putting me in a weird spot, but like I, I just need to just start singing my songs, my music, the things I'm best at. Like, yes, sir, yes, sir. 877-337-6666. The other thing, you know, with these five-hour shows, we've been having fun with movies. And on unfortunately, uh, the news uh, that came out today, which I, I thought was, you know, just really heartbreaking, is uh, Richard Lewis, a uh, famous comedian and star of That 70s Show who uh passed away earlier in the day um i guess uh, of a heart attack at 76 years old and I, I i went i feel like it was this morning i went to sleep this morning after coming back from doing the show you know yesterday and i feel like i was watching a clip of kirby enthusiasm because honestly me and my wife looking for a new show started watching curb from the beginning because i have definitely i've seen episodes i love larry david i love curb i've seen i think the only season that i've watched every episode of was the seinfeld season where they were rebooting seinfeld that season of curb other than that like i've caught episodes here and there it's very hard for me to feel like comedies are must watch like, I never, like, Game of Thrones is on every Sunday night. Game of Thrones, Sunday night, 9 o'clock. I'll make sure I'm there. Me and the wife will be there. That's the first show we started watching when we were dating. Like, whatever. But, like, that that's a Sunday night, 9, boom. 24, we've talked about a lot. I'm a huge 24 guy. 24 was typically Monday nights. Monday night, 9 o'clock, I'm watching 24. Like, I'm there. Shows that you need to watch the previous one. Comedies, I very, like, I never really feel like, oh, man, 10 o'clock, uh, got to put Curbs on, got to watch Curb. I just, I'll catch them when I catch them. That's how I've always treated comedies. Uh, but obviously, I've seen a lot of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm. But we went back, and we just started watching Curb. And I saw the clip where I, I guess they're at some sort of service or something, and he's joking with him about death. Where Larry David is literally joking with Richard about death, and there's a whole thing. He put Larry in his will. Like, they were playing, they were having, like, fun with... Richard Lewis's death. Yeah, I guess the episode just aired like a week and a half ago. I thought it was promoting this new. That's even, I guess that's slightly better. I thought they were promoting a new episode because I just saw it this morning. I thought they were promoting this Sunday's episode where the whole thing's going to be about, about Richard Lewis's will and his, and Richard Lewis dying. Like Larry literally says in the clip, when are you going to die already? Like it was just, it, and then I thought because of that clip that it was kind of a spoof when I first saw it. And then obviously it's not. And, you know, I... I'll be honest, I don't know Richard Lewis's comedy that much. I know him from Curb, and obviously I was a huge fan. I'm a big Mel Brooks guy. So, you know, him as Prince John in Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh, I remember very well uh, loving him in that, thinking his dry humor in that was very, very funny. Uh, but I don't know his comedy all that much, to be honest with you, his stand-up. But I know him from Curb, and I know him from Robin Hood Men in Tights. But 
just sad news uh, coming out of the entertainment world with his passing. And I just literally, he's brilliant on the show. And I was just watching a clip this morning spoofing that. And I guess that aired a week and a half ago. Amazing. But, re- you know, rest in peace uh, to Richard Lewis. But so in that vein, we've been doing this thing where we either talk about famous actors' movies or uh, what we do last time. I think we did movies that make you cry. That got a lot of traction. So today, if you want to call in as we talk sports, as we talk Jets disasters, as we, I'm about to get into Snell yet again on the latest report. We could have that underlying thing about we're going to do favorite comedian, you know, actors, comedians who were in who you know started as comedians as either standups or you know I don't know sketch comedy whatever. But then uh, you know. Your favorite comedian actors. We can get into that. Obviously, Robin Williams is my favorite. Real. doesn't have to be even serious because obviously Richard Lewis was really only a comedic actor. But favorite comedian uh, actors in the uh, memory of Richard Lewis who passed away uh, yesterday at the age of 75 or 76? 76. 877-337-6666. So, yeah, again, I wake up to Blake Snell News. And it drives me absolutely bonkers how it's still connected to the Yankees. Enough. Enough. Snell is not going to be a Yankee. I said it one more time. Snell is not going to be a Yankee. And digital team or whoever, you know, Zach, whoever needs to hear it, maybe that for a promo instead of me stumbling through the Met bullpen conversation. Okay, here, how about this? Ready? Snell is not going to be a Yankee. Put that on your promos. Put that in your pipe. But again, the report today from John Heyman, something I I did not foresee. I'll have to admit that because I I wouldn't have guessed it, and I went against this thought process the other day when the Bellinger contract came out uh, for a three-year deal, $80 million with all these opt-outs. I did not think Snell would be willing to do that contract. Uh, One, Snell's a little bit older. Bellinger's 28 years old, Snell's 31, and plus pitching is different. Pitchers get injured. I know, you know, Snell doesn't throw a lot of innings, and and he's been able to stay healthy for the most part, but, I mean, pitchers get hurt, and this is his opportunity to make big money, and I know now we're a week in plus, you know, for pitchers and catchers more than that, two weeks in to this spring training here, and he's going to want to get into camp, but I would have been – I'd be surprised, but Heyman's reporting that he is willing – uh, to play ball and take a contract like that, a short-term deal with a couple of opt-outs and high AV, uh, high average uh, money in the short term as opposed to looking for that big, long contract. And, of course, because of that news, which I'm surprised and I'd have to see it to believe it because, again, he's a little bit older hitting. He's coming off of Cy Young. How much better? You know, I, I guess if he does it again and has another great season, but now he's hitting the free agent market at 32 as a pitcher. Like, I, I feel like Bellinger was much more likely to take that deal at 28. If he has another monster season, now he's a outfield slash first baseman hitting the free agent market at 29, who's won, a, who's won an MVP. Like, that that's much more appealing to me and much more likely to, to take another really big shot at a big contract as opposed to a 32-year-old pitcher who I think most people are probably going to feel like you just got the he's already given you his best but if Snell is willing to do that as the season looms um good for him it's going to help him get a contract someone might be willing to give him that contract I don't think it's going to be the New York Yankees it doesn't make any sense the short-term deal doesn't make sense for the New York Yankees. I've been trying to tell you this. Nobody wants to listen, apparently. 
I'm watching, you know, guy, uh, you know, Duquette on, on talking on, on SNY talking about, well, that I would be comfortable in a number like that in a short term contract like that. It doesn't, the New York Yankees, here's the thing. The short term deal makes less sense because the high AVV makes less sense for this year. They do not want it. It's doubled. What don't we get? Hal Steinbrenner, even if it's on a one-year thing, is not paying anyone $60 million and half of that going towards the other teams to beat him. It's not happening. And not only that, say you give him this contract with opt-outs and he opts out after one year. Do you think that's good asset allocation? Let me ask you. If they win the World Series, if if you told Hal Steinbrenner the New York Yankees are going to win the World Series by making this move, then sure, of course, you do it. But there's no guarantee of anything. He just gave $160 million to Rodon, who had a miserable season. Now, I know, you know, a bit of a more track record of a longer career with Snell. But still, I mean, Rodon was just as good as Snell was. I know he didn't have the Cy Young Award, but he was a brilliant starting pitcher for two consecutive years with Chicago and San Francisco. They just gave out that money. So you're telling me this is what you want to do. You want to pay Snell or, or pay in general. 60 plus million dollars for one year of Blake Snell that he can opt out after that one year and because he's got the 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 qualifying offer attached to him you're you're giving up a second and a fifth round pick because of where you already are in the luxury tax so let me let me ask you a question if you think the Yankees Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner view this as a smart deal and a good asset of uh, a good value and a good uh uh distributing of assets Allocation, that's the word I'm looking for. Allocation of assets. One year of Blake Snell for 60 60 plus million dollars, and it costs you a second and a fifth round pick. For one year of Blake Snell. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Get it out of your heads. It's not happening. Short-term deals make no sense. You've got a better chance of a long-term deal with low money like they gave to DJ LeMahieu. They're gonna. That's what they're gonna look to do. They're gonna want to keep the numbers low over a long term. He's more likely to get a long term deal for less money, and especially if picks are attached. You, that's a. You want to pay Blake Snell? You want to give Blake Snell or you know pay for Blake Snell sixty plus million and lose two picks for one year where he can opt out after it, or he opts in and the only reason he opts in is because he had a miserable season. Like it just doesn't make sense. I know they're all in for 24. I'm all in for 24. And yeah, I mean, I guess on some level, it's not my money. I would do it. I want Blake Snell on the team. But I understand that Hal Steinbrenner's not going to do it. Like, it doesn't, that $60 million losing two picks for one year of Blake Snell, where anything can happen with pitchers. We need to stop. I know, I know Scott Boris has his hands in the media, and I understand that there's uh, John Heyman and several others. I mean, I don't want to say straight up doing his bidding because I'm sure John Heyman believes what he's saying, but, I mean, he's being nudged. He might go to the Giants. He might go elsewhere. He might be willing to take a deal that other teams seem, you know, who don't have to double his salary might be open to with less, uh, you know, guaranteed money and less years and less on the hook. Uh, That's fine. It doesn't work for the New York Yankees. It doesn't work for Hal Steinbrenner. Please, I don't know how many times I have to say this. He's not signing with the New York Yankees, and certainly with the news today that he's open to a short-term deal, that doesn't 
change anything. That he's open to a Bellinger contract doesn't change anything. Because two draft picks and $60 million for Blake Snell is not how you want to handle business. I think I honestly think that's fair. I know they're supposed to be all in. Supposed to chase a championship this year. God knows. And I'm all in too. But I understand that that just doesn't make sense. Same thing as, not, as, as trading uh, Spencer Jones. Doesn't make sense. Burns would have been great for this team. I would have loved that he was my number one target. I would have loved to have traded for Burns instead of allowing him to go to Baltimore. I would really like, I don't like Bieber as much, but I would still, I, I, he's a legitimate top of the rotation guy when healthy. I, I would I would still trade for, I would trade for Bieber. I think Dylan Cease is a, a pretty solid, good starting pitcher who would impact this team and is better than the fifth option they currently are going with. But I'm not trading Spencer Jones. I'm not trading my blue chip prospect who in his first who's in his first game with the Yankees in, in spring training it's a 470 foot home run who everybody tells me is a can't miss prospect who is six foot it looks like a left-handed hitting judge there's too much value there to trade him for one year rentals I'm all in for 24 but I'm also all in for making good decisions there is a there is a line and I understand why the Yankees won't cross it and believe me they won't <laughs> 